In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. The Book of Wisdom was likely written only about 50 years before the birth of Jesus, and we'll hear from it as our first reading this weekend. The author wanted to encourage those who were suffering for their faith, and so, in this part of the book, he's recalling the experience of the Passover in Egypt. He says that, with sure knowledge of the oaths in which they put their faith, they might have courage. And what happened as a result? They awaited the salvation of the just and the destruction of their foes. Just as the Egyptians were vanquished in the Passover, so too can the holy children of the good, to use the author's own phrase, expect God to vindicate the righteous once again. From there, we hear from the letter to the Hebrews, or as we've called it on this show before, to avoid some confusion, the letter to the Hebrew Christians. And when we hear this passage of our second reading, be thinking of the Football Hall of Fame. Because the author of this letter wants his audience, the Christians, to be inspired by the example of those who are in a sort of Faith Hall of Fame. After beginning the chapter by famously describing faith as the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen, he's going to spend the rest of the chapter detailing those heroes and heroines of faith. No doubt, the one individual who has the largest exhibit at the Faith Hall of Fame is Jesus, and he'll be discussed next weekend when we hear from chapter 12. But this weekend, in chapter 11, Abraham takes center stage, and the author is going to describe four different Hall of Fame moments in Abraham's legendary career. His great moments of faith are these. First, that he left his homeland, Ur. Two, that he didn't go back to Ur. Three, that he received the child Isaac, although he and Sarah both were past the normal age. And then fourth, when put to the test, he offered up Isaac. In between moments two and three of Abraham's Hall of Fame induction speech, the author takes a couple verses as an aside to describe how Abraham acknowledged himself as a stranger and alien on earth, for those who speak thus show that they are seeking a homeland. His whole point is that since on three different occasions in Genesis, Abraham referred to himself as a stranger and an alien, he recognized that his ultimate home was not here on this earth, but rather was to come in the next life. All of this comes into view when we consider that the author of the letter to the Hebrew Christians, in a similar way to the author of the Book of Wisdom, wanted to encourage his audience in their faith. In a sense, it's as if he's not just talking about the Faith Hall of Fame, but he's actually bringing a bunch of faith-aspiring people into the Hall of Fame so that they can learn from the examples of those who have been inducted. After visiting this Faith Hall of Fame, we listen to Jesus give a number of different parables in our Gospel passage at Mass. There are three parables here, and each one involves servants awaiting someone's arrival. In the first parable, servants are awaiting their master's return from a wedding. Jesus says that the master might even come back home in the second or third watch. Now, the Jews and Greeks divided the night into three watches, while the Romans divided the night into four. Whether Jesus is referring to the Jewish third watch or the Roman third watch, the master is very late in getting back either way. Whoever's wedding it must have been, they surely had to have several renditions of that famous wedding reception classic, Shout, Part 2. In between parables 1 and 2, Peter asks Jesus a question. Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And then Luke says that the Lord replied and continues with another parable. This double usage of the word Lord here is easy to miss, but critically important for understanding this entire passage. You see, the word Lord in Greek is kyrios, and another way of translating it is as master. In parables 1 and 2, Jesus talks about a master, and the word for master, 
Kyrios is the same word that's used here when Peter calls Jesus the Lord, the Master. The meaning is, of course, that Jesus is that Master, that Lord that everyone should be awaiting. The final parable which Jesus tells can seem a bit harsh. I mean, after all, it involves servants being beaten and one being beaten severely. At the time of Jesus, corporal punishment for slaves was commonplace, and oftentimes it was encouraged from one master to another. In fact, a number of pieces of literature from the time outline how and at what times masters should reprimand their slaves with beatings. So, that Jesus is using the beating of a slave in this parable only speaks to what was considered quite common at the time. And above all, remember that he's telling a parable. He's not holding up an actual historical event as an example. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.